Last week we, we started talking about this year and what 2014 might look like, what God might has in store for village. We talked about being God's church, that we are to be God's church, to build God's church, and to lose our lives for the King. And, and the sequence is that as we are God's church, as we act like God's church, as we do what God wants us to do, then God will use us as His tools to build His church. But for that to happen, we have to lose our lives for the King. Sacrifice ourselves. Surrender ourselves to His purposes. And what's, what's neat about it is as we come together, we built this wall last week, and we talked about what happens if one two-by-four is by itself. It's just a two-by-four. But when they're all together, it, it is something completely different. And God, when He is building His church, He uses a number of individuals as a group to accomplish God-sized tasks, to accomplish things that we as individuals could not accomplish. Just as a side note, on on these two-by-fours, I'd love for a lot of the church to come and sign their names to represent, I am willing to be a living stone, a living two-by-four in God's building project. And so there's some Sharpies down there after the service or a little bit later you can do that. But God wants to do God-sized tasks with His church through individuals. I was reading a story that, that really illustrates what we want to talk about this morning. In 2011, a, a college student at Utah State University was driving his, his motorcycle, um, getting to the computer lab, when a, a car pulled right out in front of him in a parking lot and collided with him. Both vehicles burst into flames. The car driver was able to escape from his car pretty quickly, but the student was trapped under the sedan while the front of it's on fire. The horrific accident drew an immediate crowd of students and construction workers. One passerby walked around the burning vehicles to survey the situation, saw the motionless body of the student, and thought he was dead. Another individual tried to walk over to the car where it wasn't burning and tested his strength, tried to lift the car up, but couldn't do anything. And so this crowd is watching this horrific scene. One young woman lay on the ground to look under the car and she noticed that the, the, the student under the car was still alive. So the crowd has a choice. What do they do with a task that none of them could accomplish by themselves? The story goes on and they actually have it on video that a dozen or so people in the crowd suddenly came to the car and all of them stepped around the car and they lifted together. And they actually lifted this 4,000-pound car off of the student. A couple of other people pulled the student out, and his life was saved. An amazing story of what can happen when a group comes together and people come together. The chief police said every one of those people put their lives in danger because of the flames. Those people are heroes. They were able to save a life when one person couldn't. As we come to talk about the church and to continue talking about the church in 2014 and what God has for village, that story is, is a wonderful example of what we believe God is doing at village this year. He is taking a group of individuals and bringing us together as a collective, as His church, to accomplish His purposes by building a group together and a church together to accomplish what he would have. And so when we think 
of, of the different aspects of church, especially this morning, we want to continue where we left off last week and go through some of our core values, what we're about as a church, rather than thinking, what can I do, which we should still think, okay, how can I be about outreach and some of these other things, I want us to also think, how can the church accomplish this? And how can God use me as part of a, a, a bigger group to accomplish this? In your notes, you see a little circle diagram, and that diagrams the, our four core values at Village, the four things that all of our ministries um, come, come to, to bear on. They fit into one of these four somehow. And I'd like to go through some of those briefly and then jump and we'll explore one of them in a little more detail. The first is that God's church is devoted to outreach. God's church is devoted to outreach. And this circle is a, is a process by which we grow and then we disciple others to grow. And the first step is sharing the gospel. People need to hear about Jesus. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians 5, 19 and 20. We'll do a little bit of sword drills this morning. Um, get a couple of verses. 2 Corinthians 5, 19-20. And when someone has that, would you just stand and read that nice and loudly, please? 2 Corinthians 5, 19-20. Wonderful. Thank you, Teresa. Carl will get you on the next one. Did you catch what that verse says? God is reconciling the world to Himself. We'd all be, Amen, that is true. He died on the cross in our place as a substitute for our sins. But then it goes on to say, and He has committed to... Who? Us, the ministry of reconciliation. To His church. If we are to be God's church, we're to be about what God wants us to be about. We're to be about the, the ministry of reconciliation which means helping people restore or, or have a relationship with Jesus Christ that their sin has completely torn them away from. It goes on to say, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors. We are His mouthpieces. We are a light that shines on who He is. And we'll talk about that a little bit more this morning. As though God were making His appeal through us. And that, that part of the verse gives me shivers. God is making His appeal through me. I am weak, I am imperfect, I am flawed. And He's making His appeal through me. But that's what He wants for His people and His church. And so when we think through outreach at Village, we want that to always be one of our cores of who we are and what we do. I love that, that people are, are coming so faithfully to, to Project Touch um, every year at Christmas time as we reach our neighborhood and second harvest every month. Wonderful ways to be ambassadors for Christ. The Iwana ministry is thriving, and I encourage you to keep your support of that. And if you're interested in helping with Iwana, you can even join in mid-year. But these are all part of our strategy to be about outreach. A couple of things this year that we want to do that, that I'm, I'm really excited about. And like, like the story at the beginning, a number of the, the ideas for this year and things we have planned for this year are God-sized projects. Projects that are going to take a church coming together to accomplish. And a couple things that we'd like to do at Christmas time, I mentioned this before, we want to try a living nativity this year. 
It's a, a chance where on a few nights out of the, the season, the community can come and hear about the birth of Christ and hear the Gospel in a creative, wonderful way. At Memorial Day, we want to look at having some village barbecues. Chances for you to invite friends in your neighborhood over to your house that don't know Christ and eat together. And you've heard me talk about this a little bit too, and you'll hear me talk about it a lot more as we get closer. But it's a chance then for us to come together in groups of maybe four or five families, go to a house, have a barbecue, invite four or five families of neighbors, and enjoy time connecting over food. And begin to have those life-bringing relationships. Another aspect of outreach is, is missions and our missions programs. And you'll hear about more about a couple of opportunities in two weeks. But one of the opportunities that, that I'm excited about is we're hoping to send a team to Uganda this year to help with an orphanage there and to help with the ministry there, something we've never done before that could be an amazing way to touch children's lives for the Gospel. One of our own missionaries comes back in three weeks. It's a chance for us to reconnect with Joelle and, and to encourage her and to build into her life. So we have all kinds of things happening in outreach that we want to be God's church and make this near and dear our hearts. Second thing you see in this continuum is God's, God's church is devoted to community. God's church is devoted to building community. Acts 2.42. Let's look that one up. Carl, you want to get this one? Acts 2.42. Familiar verse, but read it nice and loud, please. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. Okay, this is describing the early church, and uh, about two, 3,000 have come to Christ at this point, and they were devoted to teaching but and to the fellowship, to the koinonia, a word that we're using community for. And that word means to share, and to share in two ways. Number one, to share in the work, so we're to do God's work together. But number two, to share in each other's lives and possessions and needs, so we're to live life together. So do God's work together, live life together, is what community is about. And so in 2014, we want to continue building community here at Village. This is an area that, that I've already challenged us that I want to see us really work hard on this year. And so there's a number of things we have in mind and, and even much of what we talk about today as a specific project will merge ministry and community together. But how can we be God's church and community? How can we do better of including each other and making connections and coming together as a church? First first challenge that I have for us as a church is one that I may get crucified for. And this is where angels fear to tread. But we're going there. I would challenge you to change your idea of what time church starts on Sunday morning. We have this idea of village time, right? What does village time mean? Late? Ah, 15, 20 minutes. Ah, if we're on the same day, we're good. I challenge us to change village time for Sunday morning. Because when we have village time that comes late on Sunday morning, that isn't here beforehand, we actually are harming community in the body. We're harming opportunities for community. And so I, challenge, I, I know I, I struggle to be places on time as well. But a trick I use, and I'm going to challenge you to do the same thing, think of the starting time on Sunday mornings as 9.20. Just erase 9.30 out of your heads. 
and think 920. Okay, this is what I have to do. You know, the reason why I'm never late on Sunday morning, because my starting time is 8 o'clock. And so I'm trying to be here by 8 o'clock. If I'm here at 810, none of you know. <laughs> it's awesome. <laughs> but if we do that as a body, if we say my starting time is 920, I'm going to try to be on campus at 920, we begin to change how we think about community as a church. Because that gives us time to connect. We used nails last week, and nails hold things together. It's connections. Well, that time from 9.20 to 9.30 is a time to connect in here. This morning, so many of you were here early. And there was a buzz in the room, and people were talking and sharing life together and connecting. It was great. I'd love to see that all year. So I challenge you, let's change village time to 9.20. Any, any takers? Anyone willing to, to, to join me in this? Okay. Unless you want to come at 8. <laughs> um, let's come together and be God's church by connecting and being involved in each other's lives. It's also the time to welcome any guests. One of the things, and we're just talking as a family this morning, when guests come, when do they usually come? Earlier on time. So we need to make village time where we're here at that point in time. And, and, and here to welcome and include. We want to continue to think of community. I, I, I've mentioned things like challenging you to have someone in your home once a month. Community needs to happen outside of the three hours of Sunday morning. Outside of these doors. It's, it's changing to how can I build God's church instead of how can the church serve me. It's a complete change in mindset. So I challenge you that God wants His church to be about community. About community. The third one on that list is God's church is devoted to spiritual growth. God's church is devoted to spiritual growth. Turn to Romans 12, 1 and 2. And again, if someone gets that, has a nice loud voice, would you stand and read that for us this morning? Thank you, Amanda. Did you catch in verse 2 what one of His goals is for His people? To be transformed. Metamorpho. It's the same word that we use for a caterpillar turning into a butterfly. And it's a complete change. And God wants us to be growing spiritually, to be transformed spiritually. And that is one of the core values of village. That is why we are unashamedly going to teach God's Word. And that's going to be what we go through on Sunday mornings. That's what, what we are going to base our classes on. Because God wants His church to be about spiritual growth. To be devoted to spiritual growth. I've been so excited to see the growth in community groups this year. And so many involved in going through the Truth Project. And the responses as people go through that of spiritual growth have been wonderful. As we finish the Truth Project, we'll go back to, we'll be continuing community groups and we'll go back to a sermon-based study where we're digging deeper into the text from Sunday, looking at some cross-references and bringing those in. I encourage you, if you're going to the Truth Project, keep going to a community group. It's a chance that we have to be committed as a church body to church growth. It's a chance to care for each other. 
number of other things happening. Discipleship, we're going to be continuing to focus and training on that. Thank you for those that have turned in cards. We have those. We're working on a, a training date in, um, in February, September, in February, to, to act on that. Um, one of the other things I'm excited about, this is a long way off, but good to be thinking about. In 2016, we're planning to go back to Israel as a church for anyone that is able to go. I say that because that's long enough away now to save money for it and to, to um, take three years and work on that. But that is a life-changing experience. And so we want to be about spiritual growth. We, we have a number of Sunday school classes that we've added this last year, and we're going to be continuing those and, and great opportunities to dig in in the context of community to God's Word. But I also challenge you to remember your spiritual disciplines. Remember to be spending time in prayer. Remember to be spending time in the Word. Do the rooted reading together. Post verses that you like, whether it be on on the Village website or on the the Facebook page. Let's be in God's Word together. God's church is devoted to spiritual growth. The last one, number four, God's church is devoted to ministry. And this is where we want to spend the rest of our time this morning. God's church is devoted to ministry. How do we minister to the body, to the church? How do we minister for God in how He would want us to minister? Especially with the idea in mind that God is building His church and wants to do God-sized things through the the collective of His church. So how can we be part of what God is doing. Turn with me to Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4. And I'd like to read through a description of the early church. And and there's a discussion whenever you look at something like Acts or a narrative, is this descriptive or prescriptive? Does it just describe the early church or is it prescriptive telling us what exactly we should be? And one of the keys is, is sometimes the details of the story are descriptive For instance, they met in homes. That doesn't mean the church can only meet in homes today. Praise God, because otherwise we're all sinning right now. But they didn't have large buildings then. But what is prescriptive is the principle behind that. God is saying, do not neglect the assembling of yourselves together. Might be in a home, might be in a building like this. And so we come to this text, and it describes what the church is doing, but don't let that allow us to write it off and say that's not for us today. Because the attitudes and the principles in this text are exactly for us today. And it's what God wants for His church because the Holy Spirit inspired this to be in His Word. So this is a little bit descriptive and a whole lot prescriptive when you come to the attitude and the concepts that are here. In Acts 4.32, I'll read this section and then we'll look at some observations out of it. Now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul. And no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own, but they had everything in common. And with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And great grace was upon them all. There was not a needy person among them. For as many as were owners of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid it at the apostles' feet. And it was distributed to each as he had need. We'll stop there. We see a description of how the early church is functioning. Does this excite you a little bit? Isn't this amazing? 
that, that it's talking about people selling land and meeting needs and the fellowship, very similar to Acts 2, a passage we read a little bit earlier, that they were committed to each other and they were committed to ministering to each other. And we get excited about this because it's like, wow, that's an amazing example of how a church should be. But this morning, I want to be challenged with that's a great inspiration of how we should be. Of how we should be. And so let's explore this. We want to make six observations about being God's family, about God's church. These aren't points, they're observations. That way you're not nervous about six of them. Because observations go faster than points, right? So we're just going to make a couple of observations. And then um, this morning is about how do we put these things into practice, as we've already talked about the first three. First observation is unity. And there's a word that you can fill in in your notes for each of them. Unity. Unity is essential to community. If we're talking about building community, unity is an essential ingredient in that. In fact, it's in the word, right, in English? Community. And and the unity there talks about being one, being together. In verse 32, Now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul. I love that description. One heart and one soul. The heart for them... For us, it's the seed of emotions. For them, it was the seed of intentions and the mind. And so to be of one heart was to choose to be together. Choose to be one. To be of one soul was our very lives are knit together. Not only do we live life together, but we care for each other. We are one. And that was the description of the early church. Note, this did not mean that they agreed on everything. This did not mean that they are clones. When we talk about unity, it doesn't mean that we all need to shave our heads and look exactly the same. It's not what we're after. It means our hearts are knit together. Our souls are knit together with each other. Some of the philosophers of the time sort of were thinking about this concept and and this was the ideal of the time. Aristotle said a friend was one soul dwelling in two bodies. One soul dwelling in two bodies. I love that. Cicero said that the essence of friendship was in the formation of a single soul, as it were, from several. And so the first observation is they were unified in heart and in soul. They decided and chose that this was my family. This is my family. I'm committed to them. I am one with them. I am going to be with them in one soul and one spirit. Keep in mind that just days before, these 5,000 believers were from all walks of life, all countries, coming on pilgrimage to Jerusalem. And now they're a church, completely different people, but in one heart and one soul. And it makes sense. Because if our hearts are in tune with the Master, and we're all in tune with the Master, our hearts are in tune with each other. And so to be one in spirit and soul means to be about what Jesus wants us to be about. And if that's what we're about, we'll be unified. Tozer said this best. Has it ever occurred to you that 100 pianos all tuned to the same fork are automatically tuned to each other? They are of one accord by being tuned, not to each other, but to another standard to which each one must individually bow. So 100 worshipers met together, each one looking away to Christ, 
are in heart nearer to each other than they could possibly be were they to become unity conscious and turn their eyes away from God to strive for closer fellowship. And what he's saying is the church was of one heart and one soul because they were pursuing Christ. If we come away from this morning and say we're going to be more unified and our focus isn't Christ, we fail. But if we come away from this morning to say we are God's church and because of that we're going to be unified, that's the only way it can happen. That makes sense? It's about Jesus. It's about our walk with Jesus. Knowing Him. And that changes how we interact as a family. Unity is essential to community. Observation number two out of that same verse. Generosity. There is no mine in church family. There is no mine in church family. Read this, look at the second half of verse 32. And no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own, but they had everything in common. The NIV translates that last phrase, they shared everything. And, and that's the idea here. This is not saying they all gave up all of their worldly possessions and, and entered a commune and lived together. It's not what this was saying. In fact, the, the wording here is the idea that they gradually sold their possessions. And we'll get to that when we get to verse 34. But what they did is their mindset was, nothing is mine, it is all God's property. And so everything I have is available for God to use. That's hard for us to learn, because as children, what's one of the first words we learn? Mine, mine. You know, Finding Nemo didn't help. (laughs) With those silly seagulls. You've been to Disneyland by the, the ride where they have the seagulls? It's the one time I want to take a gun to Disneyland and shoot something. I just want to put those seagulls out of their misery because mine, 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 mine. And my kids start going, mine, mine, mine. No! Because it's our nature to collect and say, this is mine. And God's nature is to say, no, I want you to share it. This is for my church because you're part of my church. Whole different way of looking at it. And so one of the observations is the people of the early church got that. No one thought of this as mine. Yes, they still had private property. They still owned things. But it was all the idea of how can I use this for the kingdom. These first two points tie together because where our heart and soul are defines how we use our stuff. Or we could think of it the other way. How I view my stuff will show where my heart and soul is. If I'm not willing to share or use it for the kingdom... I can guarantee God is not my priority. That's challenging. When it comes to finances, that's challenging. We give all kinds of excuses to not be part of what God is doing financially. And it's just not biblical. Their stuff was all God's to be shared and used for the kingdom. This was the basis for just radical sharing. For dying to self. And we look at this and say, well, that is so nice. That was great for them. And in the back of our heads, what we're really saying is mine, mine, mine. We've got to shoot that bird. I'm going to get in trouble this morning, right? <laughs> Pastor Ron talked about guns. Third observation, Testimony testimony why be god's church 
It's all about Jesus. Why share and meet needs? It's all about Jesus. Why sacrifice for what God wants to do? It's all about Jesus. Look at verse 31. I know we didn't read that, but right before. And and understand the context. The church has been persecuted for sharing the gospel. And so what does the church do? They come together and pray for boldness in sharing the gospel. That's awesome. We were persecuted. We were told not to share. Let's pray because we're going to share, share harder and stronger than ever. And so verse 31 is the answer to that prayer. And when they prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. So they prayed. God answered their prayer. They were filled with the Holy Spirit and they proclaimed the gospel with boldness. That's where 32 comes in and it's like an interruption. Now they had everything in common. They shared they, they, they were about being a body and meeting needs. Then we come to verse 33 and it's back to the other theme. And whenever an author in God's Word is weaving themes together like this, it's because they're related. They're connected. And so you can't disconnect 31 and 33 from 32 and 34. Make sense? It's all one thought to, to the author and, and what the Holy Spirit is saying here. Read verse 33. And with great power the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and great grace was upon them all. And so tied in to this this boldness and with great power we're going to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ is how the church met each other's needs and how they treated each other. Because that was a testimony of who Jesus was. Because everyone in Jerusalem could look and say, these 5,000 men from different backgrounds... They're sharing and, and they're, they're meeting each other's needs. We just don't do that. What is different? And I guarantee that that hasn't changed today. When we sacrificially come together and meet each other's needs and, and minister to each other, the world will take notice. I've seen it over and over and over again. See, it's all about Jesus. When we meet each other's needs, it's not to make each other happy or comfortable. It's to show Jesus to a lost and fallen world that desperately needs Him. It's a bigger picture. Now, is it good to relieve stress and and to meet needs and and make someone more comfortable? Absolutely. But our purpose is about shining a light for Jesus. John 13.35 says, By this all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. How we treat each other directly affects our testimony for Jesus Christ. It's an important concept as we talk about being God's church. It's interesting, the, the word there, um, and with great power. Great is a, a, an adjective, a modifier, and the, the Greek for great, great is megas, which we get mega from. And so what he's saying is, with mega power, the disciples shared Christ. You know, I think of Sci-Fi Channel, and you have mega sharks and mega tornadoes and mega this, because it's always the big, you know, the huge, most powerful thing. The apostles were mega testimony, mega witnesses for Christ. This is an amazing thing, and that's what can happen when we meet each other's needs and then boldly share why. Fourth observation out of that verse as well is grace. All are blessed when the church acts as God's church. The verse goes on to say that great grace was upon them all. 
And it's interesting because when we think of being sacrificial, sharing what we have, ministering to each other, meeting needs, we're thinking that we're showing grace to that person. But isn't it true that as we minister and put ourselves out for God's work, we're blessed too? Because God is just pouring His grace onto us. Unmerited favor. His blessings. Not financially necessarily or wealth or or health, but of relationship with Him and what it really means to be close to Him. Grace. Fifth observation is care. And we come to verse 34. Care. God's church took care of needs in tangible, sacrificial, and big ways. Tangible, sacrificial, and big ways. Verse 34. There was not a needy person among them. That word for needy is not having enough to live on. Not having enough to survive on. There was not a needy person among them. Why? For as many as were owners of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold. Okay, this isn't an extra you know, five minutes out of the week to help somebody. This isn't an extra five dollars in, in the offering plate. They sold houses. I am convicted by this. I am convicted when I want five more minutes of sleep and don't want to take a call. They sacrificed for family and for God's church. And God used that in powerful ways. Intangible, they really met needs, living needs, sacrificial, willing to give up my own everything, and in big ways. It's not too often that we say, hey, would someone buy a house? This morning, that's one of our ideas. We'll get to that. But what does God want to do? One of the things to keep in mind is this was voluntary. You know, you had the, the Qumran Jewish community where to enter the community you were forced to sell everything you had and it went into the, the group coffers. And then you got to live by the Dead Sea. Yeah, it's, it's just desolate. But this was voluntary. And it was as the need arose. A radical commitment to be God's church. And finally, number six, the last observation body. God's church works together with leadership to meet needs. God's church works together with leadership to meet needs in a decent and orderly way, in a way where each one is doing its part and leadership know what's going on in the church and they've done due diligence and and the the members of the church were coming and just laying it at the apostles' feet, which is an aspect of surrender, saying use this for whatever God wants to use it for. And so there's a burden on leadership of guidance, of discernment, of wisdom. And there's a burden on those following leadership of trust and participation. But we can do more together than we can do alone. And so rather than one person meeting a need, the model here was to come together as a church, as a body, and meet needs. So how can we put that into practice? Six observations about the early church that God used to start His church and to change the world. How do we put that into practice? And and there's there's two care ministries that I want to highlight this morning. One that we've already mentioned and then one that I want to introduce this morning of how we can minister to each other. 
The first is one you've heard us talking about already, the Helping Hands ministry that Chris and Amanda are helping lead. And, and that is a ministry to our widows and widowers and to our elderly to come alongside and do what these verses are talking about, to meet needs. And many of you have already signed up to say, yeah, I'll, I'll help when a need arises. And, and that is a wonderful ministry. I encourage you to be part of that. Because as, as we learned in, in 1 Timothy, we should be taking care of our widows. And as we learn here, we should be taking care of any needs in the church. If you're interested in that, please contact Chris and Amanda. Chris, can I have you raise your hand? Thank you. That's Chris. If you don't know who Chris is, find him. Hunt him down. Corner him. Be part of that ministry. But another ministry that I want to introduce this morning is the Acts 4 ministry. And this comes out of the text we just studied. How do we put Acts 4 into practice as a church? How do we become a wall rather than a two-by-four off by ourselves? There are times where there are needs that are so deep and so prolonged and, and, and have brought families to, to a place where there's just pain and there's hopelessness of how do we move forward because circumstances are pressing in. And situations where there is no way one person in our church could meet that need, even though people try. And that's where we want the Acts 4 ministry to step in. And the elders have been meeting in an Acts 4 ministry team for, for six to eight months now, maybe even longer, thinking this through and planning this. And so a lot of thought and prayer has gone into this. And the idea is that we want to be God's church by coming together to provide comprehensive and permanent help in all areas of life. Not just financially, not just with one particular need, but in all areas of life to change a life, to change a family's situation. We want to do that to those in the church family having deep and prolonged needs. Now, this ministry isn't going to replace the benevolent fund. That's still there for emergency needs and some of the other ways of meeting needs. But how do we organize ourselves to come together for situations that are God-sized, that are so far beyond ourselves that we don't know how to help, and I guarantee if we don't know how to help, then the individuals involved aren't sure what to do either. And so this is a challenge to be God's church. And at that point, this is a chance we have to step in. Some of the goals of an Acts 4 ministry, first is to show lasting care to those hurting and in need. When people have deep needs, one of the things they need to know is they're part of a church family, and their church family loves them. And their church family has not abandoned them. Second goal is to provide help that touches all areas of life. To change circumstances. To provide long-term solutions. This comes to the comprehensive idea of saying, okay, it's great if someone's budget is short every year to give some money to make up their budget, but can we find other solutions? Can we find work? Can we find other income sources? Can we reduce... Um, expenditures somehow by coming together and providing things as a body. So instead of band-aids, can we solve problems? And I believe that's what God wants to do through His church. But it takes sacrifice. It takes involvement. We want to bring families to a point of self-sustainability. Third goal is tied to the first one. As we do this, it builds a church family environment of sacrificial care and meeting needs that God wants for His church. 
builds compassion. And finally, the point of it all, the fourth goal, is we want to be a light to the world by how we love and meet needs. By how we love and how we meet needs. These are the times of situa- types of situations that it's time for all hands on deck. Where we come together and say, we are going to solve this. We are going to care. We are going to meet needs. And we are going to do it as a church. It's about changing lives. But keep in mind the early church. This is what they did. And they had to lose their lives for the King for it to happen. It involves sacrifice. It involves caring about this body and God's church more than so many other things in life. But I believe we can do it. How do we do this? We have a team that's already in place to to administrate. And the idea is to take the various areas of life, whether it be financial or housing or living areas, care, personal care, and we take those areas of life and we have teams for each of the area as people are gifted that are working under the leadership to, to find solutions, to brainstorm, to come together. And so each will take a little part of it and say, this is my part. I'm going to help this meet this need in this area. It's a logistics nightmare. I'll just tell you that up front. And that's why working together as a church and working together with some people gifted in administration will be an amazing way to accomplish this. We'd like to start with one family that we want to introduce this morning. A need that, that many of you know, many of you have been trying to help individually, and it's time to come together as a church and meet that need. And by, by choosing one family to start with, it's not that there's not other needs in the church. And, and, and once the Acts 4 ministry gets refined and, and we, we help one family, we'd love to see us move on and help other families that are in this kind of deep need. But we got to start. And we start somewhere with needs in the church. And many of you know the Rockataris. And many of you know their background. And circumstances have completely changed their lives from what they, they intended. They've been part of our church for about 10 years now, I think. Maybe a little bit more. And so many of you have loved on them and cared for them in so many ways. I know some of them are here this morning. And thank you for allowing us to share your story. And to be God's church. Because it is hard to say you need help. And it's hard to let people help you. I personally hate it. have a hard time with that. And so what we're saying, though, is as a family, this is what we do. If we're to be God's church, this is what we do. I'd like Kathleen to come up and just give us a little bit of history and uh, understanding of their situation. Special family here at Village. Many of you know the Rockataris, but for those of you who are unfamiliar or unsure of who they are, I'd like to share a little bit about them. Behind me is a picture of Charles and Gail and their four strikingly handsome and beautiful children. Ajuna, age 20, Mwenwa, 15, Biela, 14, and Namara, 12. This picture was taken at Ajuna's Marine uh, Boot Camp graduation in 2012. The Rakatari family starts, uh, story starts about 24 years ago when Charles met Gail in Nashville, Tennessee while he was attending Vanderbilt University. He had previously attended colleges Pugu and Ihungo in his home country of Tanzania 
And then in India, he attended um, Yavatmal University. When he first arrived in the U.S., he attended and graduated from Yale, and then he graduated from Vanderbilt University. He would go on to attend Fuller Seminary as well, but that's a discussion for another time. Gail had just received her master's degree in music from Skerritt Graduate School. And these two very educated and very motivated people loved the Lord and looked forward to serving him. Their dream after marrying was to return to Charles's beloved Tanzania. He came from the village of Ukopa and worked at a school in Tanzania. He had been in a very severe car accident there that would later affect the course of their lives. But at the time of their marriage, there seemed to be nothing holding them back to accomplish the amazing vision they believed the Lord had given them. Their desire was to start a life skills and vocational training school for women who were outcasts in society and a church. The needs were very great, and they hoped that through the ministry, many women's lives would be changed and blessed. However, their dream vanished when Charles' health began to decline. By the time Ajuna was born, Charles was already in a wheelchair. The injuries sustained in that car accident many years prior had been treated in Tanzania, where the advancement in medicine wasn't available to treat such severe injuries. By the time Charles was in America, doctors were saying treatment to correct the health issues stemming from the accident were no longer possible. It was too late. Eventually, Charles would lose his job as a chaplain at a Christian school and a job trainer position at the Goodwill. And Gail took up a position as a teacher's aide in special needs class and went back to school to get her teaching credential and a master's degree in special education, as there were no job opportunities in the music field in which she had already gotten her degree. Gail, however, has her own health challenges in the last couple of years. Missing time from work for her two operations and follow-up care has greatly affected their income, which supports her, uh, her income, which supports the entire family. Charles and Gail's faith and trust in Jesus to provide and meet their needs has sustained them through some very difficult times. Due to the degenerative bone loss in Charles' left arm, the bone was eventually removed. And because of continuous complications from infections and pressure sores, he now has very limited mobility and uses a wheelchair. However, he still hopes to write by dictating several books. He wants to write Tanzanian children's stories, a book on the theology of God's will, a book on how to speak Swahili, and his memoir. Gail hopes to finish her final classes and to do her student teaching so that she can teach her own special education class and to be able to provide for herself and her family. Ajuna is still in the Marines, stationed in Hawaii, doing mechanics, uh, auto mechanics, and Manwa is an excellent student, is considering majoring in anatomy or kinesiology. Biela, um, Biela loves music and desires to be an inventor, and Namara enjoys baseball, basketball, football, dance, music, modeling, and acting. The children have received many awards and are doing well in school and in their various interests. In Proverbs, it says, man makes his plans, but the Lord directs his steps. In the Rakatari family, the steps God has for them went into a completely different direction than they thought. But like Job, their confidence is in the Lord himself. And as Job said, but he knoweth the way I take, and when he hath tried me, I shall come forth as gold. The Rakataris are a special family for many, many reasons. But most importantly, they are one of our own. As part of the Village Bible Church family, we desire to love and care for them as truly they are brothers and sisters in Christ, and they are family.
Thank you for sharing, Kathleen. Hard to hear parts of the story. Hard to understand how all of that can happen to one family. But to see their trust in God and their faith in God is an amazing thing. For those of the family that are here this morning, I want you to know that we love you and we care about you and you are not alone. We are your church family. And so we will bear this burden with you. For us, are we ready for a God-sized ministry? Are we ready to change lives in ways we have never tried at Village before? We're blazing new ground of what could care ministry look like. And I'd like to blaze that ground together. How do we do that? I'm not going to stand here in front of you and outline every one of their needs. That, I'll share with you where you can find that, but this isn't the place for that. But we start by, by looking at some categories of needs and saying, are there ways that we can come together and do this? We've broken up how to help them and some ways to help them into a little over 30 bite-sized chunks. There's more than 30 of us here this morning. And so this is a great opportunity for, for each of us to take one or two of these bite-sized chunks and say, I can help in that area. When it comes to structure, Carl and Kathleen have, have offered to be our ministry leads on this. And they'll be administrating the program and they need a number of administrators underneath them. Some of the areas that we need um, help in, and I think we have a slide for this, Jacob, the next slide. Some of the areas that we need help in is in administration. It's a huge job and there's all kinds of different areas of their life that we want to help them in, not just financially. We want to bring them beyond crisis mode to a sustainable mode. And so we're, we're looking to not only help financially, but in... Um, some of their living environment and circumstances in care and how they feel cared for. And that's going to take some time. It's going to take some expertise. There's some things that we don't know solutions for in, in our list of needs. And I'm praying that people in this church know solutions for them and can be creative and do some research. In the area of administration, there's a number of things that they'll have lists out in the gym right after we're done. And, and what we'll do is there's a table in the gym that some of the Acts 4 team will be at, and they have specific lists of needs. And so if any of these categories that we're about to say interest you, it, go look at that list and find something and, and say what you're interested in. You don't have to sign in blood today. Next week's fine. No. Uh, <laughs> but at least let Carl and Kathleen and some of the other team know you're interested and that we are willing as a church to, to meet needs. To be God's church. And so there's some administration help in, in various areas, whether it be for volunteers, financial administration, some things with, with government agencies, and prayer support. And we want to make sure we're doing all of those. Second area that you see there is personal care. And this involves realizing that caring for someone involves more than writing a check. It involves maybe going and discipling and doing Bible studies and visits. Having the family over for dinner. There's some great ideas in that list. Mentoring their children. Third category is in career and school. And this is where we'd love to find and brainstorm and equip some different career opportunities that would change their income and change their ability to earn income. Charles and Gail, their desire is to, to support their family. Their dream is to support their family. But a whole number of circumstances are in the way of that. And when you're, when you're just trying to support your family today, it's hard to think big picture and, and to find other opportunities. We can do that for them. 
we can come alongside and, and help with some of those other career opportunities and school advocacy and some of the other things. And so there's a, a list of options there. Medical is another category, and, and as you heard Kathleen share, the medical needs have been immense. And there are, if someone here has navigated the medical insurance field, there is a, a role for you <laughs> to help change some insurance and, and to find better insurance. How can we help them? And that's going to take some research that they just can't do right now. And so can we come alongside and do that? And some of you in the medical field that can be a medical care advocate for them and, and help them navigate. You've listened to doctors before. It's like, what did he just say? And, and, and to have someone that maybe understands some of the lingo and what's going on to, to help them navigate that would be great. Another category is in housing and living. One of their major problems with their, their budget is that the, the apartment complex that they live in, the rent is so high that it makes a sustainable budget impossible. And there's all kinds of other options. We could look at Habitat for Humanity, and we've, we've explored some of that, um, maybe a, a different apartment. But another just really radical idea, what if someone here bought them a house or made a down payment on a house where their payments were $800 or less a month? Suddenly, the sustainability problem is solved. And, and maybe it's an investment where it's a co-ownership and it's something where we come together as a church to meet their needs and you never know what God might do. And, and I'm excited about seeing what God might do in that category. I, I know I've heard from a couple people that have said, well, you know, that's, that's not out of the realm of possibility. Let's meet their needs down to repairs and, and household management, interacting with their apartment managers. Uh, there's some, some help that is needed there. Another category is transportation. And this, is, this is, has another big item there. One of the things that is happening is they, they don't have transportation for Charles in his wheelchair right now, and he can't, he's no longer able to get out of his wheelchair and, and travel outside of his wheelchair. And so as a church, can we brainstorm? Can we come up with ideas, whether it be finding finances for some sort of wheelchair-accessible vehicle or finding organizations, sky's the limit. We're looking for people that want to brainstorm and explore and dream what God might do. Maybe it's something where all of us contribute a certain amount and we're able to buy them the vehicle they need. This is what family care looks like. This is what we can do together. There's some, some short-term needs, like even bus passes for, for um, several of their children. Transportation help. And then finally, the last category is in finances. There, there, are, there are immediate financial needs. And the way that the team's looking at it is we'd like to see the financial help be short-term because we want to bring them to a sustainable state to where the financial help isn't needed. So we're thinking at first six months and reevaluating six months. But there's a whole, there are a whole number of ideas that Carl and Kathleen have for how you can help financially to say, let me help with gas. Let me help with food. Let me help with this. And in bite-sized chunks that we can come together and help them financially. The team is, is already looking at um, how that affects gov government assistance and how that affects a variety of things. And unfortunately, most of the way our government is set up to help situations like this is broken. 
and, and I'm not political of saying one side or the other, it's just broken. And they're in a no-win situation where sometimes if they receive help, it actually hurts them. And so for us to help as a church, we've got to help and really take on much of the load. But it'll change their lives. A simple one that I love is, some of you know about cell phones. A few of you have them. They need their plans reviewed and... and uh, a significant savings can happen there and their needs reviewed. All kinds of different categories to help. I challenge you to go to that table as we dismiss and find a way to help. Find a way to be an Acts 4 church. To be God's church. To build God's church. To lose our lives for the King. As we think about the financial help, one of the things the team wanted to to really stress is that any financial help we give, this is above and beyond our normal church giving. It's not to replace our church giving. As we care for each other, we still care for the church and, and obey God's instructions there. But this is above and beyond sacrificially to say, I will extend myself to meet needs in this body. What a way to meet needs. I know out of a, a discussion like this, there's going to be all kinds of questions, all kinds of, of thoughts and ideas and comments. There's a place in your um, worship folder in your notes there. You could write those and turn them in at the back. Just, just set them on the back table. Or you can email acts4 at villagebible.com. That will go to the, the ministry team leadership. But let's build this together. Let's see what God could do.